We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim! What an absolutely crazy, crazy basketball game. Now, if you guys have been following the Thunder this season, which I'm sure you are if you're listening to this podcast, most games have been crazy, but this one probably takes a cake. Um, Just absolutely crazy. I'm still pretty wound up, but I had a ton of fun covering it after a miserable first half. So what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast, Podcast Network. I am your host, Taylor Peterson. And like I mentioned, I have a pretty crazy game to break down tonight. Thunder beat the Chicago Bulls 109-106 to after being down by as much as 26 points. 26. That tied the record for the biggest comeback in OKC franchise history, which actually is really interesting. I'm sure many of you guys will, will remember this game, but it was the Rockets game last February 9th uh, when the Thunder also came back from 26. Just pretty wild. First two and a half quarters were miserable. I mean, to the point that I was thinking of, oh my gosh, what am I going to talk about on this postgame podcast? And then Chris Paul, mainly Chris Paul, uh, but Dennis Schroeder, uh, a little bit of Gallo and Steven sprinkled in there, ignited the thunder, and, and I had to come back midway through the third quarter, and it was basically a brand new basketball game at that point, and essentially a brand new thunder team from the one that we saw in the first first two and a half quarters. So before I jump into any themes, I want to give you guys a quick breakdown of the game because I had a lot of you guys tweeting at me saying that, you know, following along with the tweets, you weren't getting to watch the game. And like I said, uh, just to do the game justice, I feel like I need to give a quick breakdown of it and just some highlights from each quarter. So to start the game off, right, I tweet about this, but it's almost become somewhat of a thunder thunder, uh, tradition now 
for Steven Adams to get, get the first shot of the game. They throw the ball down low to Steven. He usually gets the first shot, and oftentimes it goes in. And I don't have stats to back that up. I didn't go look at every single game and you know see how many games start with Steven getting the shot. But that's just something as Thunder fans we kind of picked up on, something we actually enjoy. Um, so tonight, when Gallup was the one who got the shot, and it was not Steven, um, it just felt weird to the point I even joked when I, and tweeted out that maybe we should go back and just restart the game. It doesn't really feel like a Thunder game. And then from there, it almost was like it was bad juju or something like like it cursed the game because the first like I said two and a half quarters really were just absolutely miserable especially the first quarter so so the the good news kind of, I guess coming into the first quarter we got this news a little bit before the game but we learned that Terrence Ferguson was going to be back and actually was going to be starting for the first game I believe in five games that he's been out with a sore hip and so he was back um, <clears throat> the first quarter he looked okay um, his defense wasn't quite as good as it's been in the past which is you know, I think was expected with him missing that time and then coming back and, you know, just trying to stay conditioned while he's battling that hip soreness. And he didn't look bad by any means. Um, Zach Levine definitely cooked him <laughs> quite a bit in the first quarter, but in Ferg's defense, I mean, he was unstoppable no matter who was guarding him, and it wasn't just Ferg. Um, so overall, I thought he played good on him, more so probably in the second half, which I'll get into. Um, but it was good at least to have Ferg back. He, he hit his first three of four threes that he hit today, I believe, which was huge. So it was really good to see him have a shot going, and hopefully that's something that will continue and carry forward. Now, all the the negative that's going to come from this first half is pretty much from this point forward. Eight minutes into the game, Thunder had five turnovers already, and the Bulls had scored 10 points off those turnovers, which was a theme that would continue for quite a while. The Thunder ended with nine total turnovers in the first quarter. The score was 37-16, to 16, Chicago Bulls. They came out pretty much just, just stunned all of us. I don't think any of us Thunder fans were expecting... Uh, that big of a lead <laughs> from Chicago uh, heading into the second quarter. So the second quarter happens, and it's not any better. I want to point out Baisley here. I'll talk a little more about him later. But he he had a rough game, but especially the first half was just, I mean, it was rough. Um, and I think a good example of this is it's just to start the second quarter, uh, the Bulls actually ran a play where Markinen had a backdoor cut, posted Baisley up down low, and scores on him. And they designed it out of the timeout, or right out of the quarter, not even out of the timeout. And so so that was definitely rough to see. Uh, Billy kept him in quite a while during that stretch. Like, he was trying to get him to play out of it, and he just wasn't. <laughs> and it was almost disheartening to see uh, to a certain extent. Now, I'm not worried about Baisley long-term or anything, but that was something I wanted to point out. And that was how the second quarter started. Now, in Baisley's defense, nobody else was much better on offense or defense other than Schroeder and Gallo, essentially. At one point in the second quarter, the Bulls had... 26 points off turnovers to the Thunder's zero, which is absolutely absurd. The Thunder ended the half with 14 turnovers. There have been games this season where the Thunder haven't had, or many games this season where the Thunder haven't had 14 turnovers in an entire game. So as you guys can probably tell, it was a very, very ugly first half. Really the only thing that kept this team alive was Shooter and Gallo, um, who, who played really well offensively in the first half. And actually combined for 28 first-half points on 9 of 15 shooting, but they were the only players in double digits at halftime. Interestingly enough, uh, Chris Paul, a guy who I'll obviously be talking about here later, only had two points at halftime. I mean, he, he was really playing disengaged on both ends, it seemed like. He was making careless turnovers. He um, was letting guys sneak up from behind him and, and strip the ball away it, or deflect the ball away, like just things you never really see from Chris Paul. And he even seemed disengaged defensively as well, just uh, letting uh, letting players drive to the rim on them, and it, it was really strange. And 
as his team often does, it seems like the Thunder kind of followed his lead. Thunder went down 68 to 49 at half. Just not a whole lot of hope at this point. It was it was rough. And then the third quarter happens, and per usual, this team shocks and surprises us as they have all season long. Shea at one point here had more turnovers than shot attempts, which is not great. It's a stat I had to throw in there because I thought it was pretty wild. But then this is where the, the positives come in. Um, the Thunder had a run of the third quarter, which was absolutely crazy. And it really started once they got the lead back to within around 15. They just kind of kept chiseling away at that big lead. And then at one point, midway through the third quarter, Dennis Schroeder hits a layup, which he had been doing all night. He gets a steal immediately after on the inbounds. CP3 is still down there with him. And uh, he, he hits CP3 with a pass. CP3 hits a jumper, cuts the lead to 10. From there, Thunder would go on a 17-5 run, outscoring the Bulls 33-22 in the third quarter. They were 4-6 from 3 downtown in the third, 7-8 of eight from the free throw line. Basically, they looked like a brand new team. <laughs> it was crazy. So the fourth quarter, it continued. Uh, per Eric Horn, I thought this was a pretty cool stat, Chris had his hand in all 11 points to start the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. He was just absolutely on fire, and he caught fire from there. Scored 19 points in the fourth, was just unconscious from three, um, hitting step back after step back, just unconscious. It was really, really fun to follow, really fun to watch. He also played much, much better defense in the first half. He was making great passes, getting others involved like Stevens and Nerlens during that run, just playing great basketball that we really have seen from him um, all, you know, throughout this entire season, but he took it up a whole new level and really turned back the clock. So the Thunder up two with about a minute 25 to go. The Thunder miss, and Shea, who'd been struggling all night long, he gets a really big save, which resulted in the Thunder scoring and going up four. That's essentially was a game-winning save right there. I wanted to mention that because Shea really did struggle. Shea got his first basket of the game in the fourth quarter, speaking of him struggling. But uh, Zach Levine was able to tie it up again with around 20 seconds left, and our hearts just couldn't take it anymore. I did not want overtime for this game. This game did not deserve overtime. Uh, Steven gets fouled, hits one free throw, gets his own rebound on the second miss, and kicks it to, or uh, the second shot, which he missed, kicks it to Chris Paul, and that's essentially the ball game. Chris Paul hits two free throws to ice it, and uh, Thunder ended up pulling off the biggest comeback victory in OKC history, which is pretty crazy. Just some quick fun facts. Bull scored 37 points in the first quarter, but only 38 the entire second half. Uh, the Thunder defense really stepped up big. Thunder forced 11 turnovers in the second half, which led to 17 transition points. And the Thunder and Bulls combined for 65 three-point attempts tonight, which is pretty crazy to, to think also. So one other crazy I guess not even stat, but a crazy coincidence that I, I noticed while I was tweeting along with the Thunder game is that there was another team that we know very well and a certain player who was also struggling that we know very well and Russell Westbrook and the Houston Rockets. And so at one point, I took a screenshot when the Thunder were down 68-43 to 43 in their second quarter. Houston was also down against the San Antonio Spurs, 61-38. So I just tweeted out something funny like, you know, cheers Houston fans, you know, at least we aren't the only team struggling kind of thing, right? Well, then I start looking around the fourth quarter. I'm like, wait a minute, Houston's starting to come back. So at one point, Houston had also come back almost around the same exact time in the fourth quarter because both games started around the same time as the Thunder did. So at one point, it's 104-102 Thunder, and uh, Houston's up 101-100 to over San Antonio. The final score for each game, Thunder 109, Chicago 106, the Rockets 109, San Antonio 107. And it was Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul that kind of led those comebacks for each respective team. Just absolutely crazy. Pretty fun coincidence, coincidence there that I thought I would point out. So 
for those of you who have listened to us before, you probably are used to our individual postgame podcast, and you guys know that we have our own like little theme breakdowns and how we kind of categorize, categorize each game. So I'm sticking with mine of positive and negative because there were a lot, a lot of both, which is really nice because heading into the second half, I was thinking it was just going to be all negatives. <laughs> so let's start with the negatives. The biggest and the most obvious that I've mentioned a lot already is turnovers. OKC finished with 26 turnovers. Obviously, that's a season high, and the Bulls scored 39 points off of those turnovers. A lot of that had to do with the Bulls being extremely aggressive to start. I think I mentioned that earlier in the uh, postgame podcast. They got a lot of deflections. They were putting pressure on the ball, and they did a really good job of running out in transition. Uh, really, Levine was the one who spearheaded that. I mean, he was getting out and obviously doing his crazy dunks, and uh, he was hitting the three ball uh, in transition. And he, I mean, they just were really getting after it. The Thunder looked kind of lackadaisical and almost deer in the headlights. I mean, it, it was it was really strange, almost like they were still tired from their long four-game road trip uh, last week. A lot of careless passes early on from like Chris, Shea, Ferg, and even Steven. Um, but the second half, they adjusted, and it were much better. And I think Chris Paul, he caused the Bulls to start switching on screens, which was huge. And that allowed him to find Adams and Nerlens on the pick and roll. So we saw them, them getting a little more involved, but a lot of that was because of Chris Paul and the defense having to adjust um, to the pick and roll and, and how Chris Paul was playing, which was huge. Thunder also did a much better job not letting the Bulls get out in transition, and they were stopping the Bulls in the half court. And like I mentioned, the defense really stepped up in the second half and uh, played much better. But regardless, 26 turnovers is unacceptable, tanking or not. And when your three point guards, your three main ball handlers, combine for 16 of those, 16 of the 26 turnovers, that's an issue. Something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Now, speaking of one of those ball handlers, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Unfortunately, he's popping up on our negatives uh, probably a little more, little more frequent than we would like, which is fine and is normal for a young, talented, growing player who defenses are starting to focus on. But tonight might have been his worst game of the entire season. He had a really rough game on both ends. Uh, he just, he didn't look himself. He played probably, like I mentioned, the worst game I think I've, I've seen him play this year. He was only one of three from the floor and had five turnovers. And he didn't score his first basket until the fourth quarter, which is just kind of unheard of, especially for a point guard, uh, a ball handler, and especially for Shea. He had zero fouls, which often you'd be like, oh, zero fouls, isn't that a positive? Well, in this case, I don't really think so. I think it's more of a negative because it shows how disengaged Shea was defensively. He was letting defenders get by him. He couldn't stay in front of his defenders, and he just really was struggling on that end as well. And so I would like to see him get a little more aggressive and have one or two or three fouls, right? Because I think that means that he's locked in defensively and is putting forth a little more effort than he did tonight. He's almost seemed disengaged. I've used that word quite a bit to describe the first half of this Thunder game, but Shea kind of unfortunately was disengaged the entire game. Well, I guess up until the end, which I'll get to. He passed up so many open threes, and the Bulls took complete advantage and guarded him on the drive, baited him into driving almost every time, which is something we've mentioned quite a bit on this podcast that he's going going to have to change, and tonight it might have been the worst it's been. He's got to start shooting that three with confidence, and even if he doesn't make them at a high rate, just getting the defense to guard him from three, that'll open up, open back up the lane for him so much more, open up the entire floor for all of his teammates as well. He's got to develop a much more balanced scoring approach than just his pump fake and trying to drive to the rim and draw a foul because it's not working and defenses are adjusting <clears throat> adjusting accordingly. Now, he's not a stellar like defender yet, but he's certainly not this bad of a defender either. And I really think his defense was just a product of him struggling offensively and just kind of his mindset for today. Uh, we kind of saw him break out of it towards the end of the game, which was good to see. But now another player who struggled, 
Darius Baisley. And I love Baze. And he's young. So a lot of this is good for his development, just like with Shea. But he also was a and he also he was a part of that really big run in the third quarter. And he played much better defensively when he wasn't having to guard like uh, Markinen or Carter Jr., which is fair. However, he basically just got picked apart defensively, especially in the first half. And I mentioned earlier, but the Bulls literally called a, I keep wanting to say out-of-time-out play, but it was to start the second quarter targeting him specifically. And he he desperately needs to add to his large frame. He's pretty, pretty thin still, and that'll help a lot of, I think his defense was, and it's something that will happen over time in the offseason. I mean, he's only 19 years old. He has so much room to grow uh, physically and to get bigger and stronger, and now he's with a pro team to help, help, help him put on weight. But I'd like to see him play more disciplined defensively in the meantime and see him develop more there just overall um, as the season goes along. And tonight it was pretty rough, especially if he's going to be a power forward, small forward combo, or even just playing the power forward position he's going to have to be able to defend some of these bigger guys now lastly um like i said there's quite a few negatives so i'm just going to do some rapid fire negatives before moving on just for time's sake so i can get to the positives and your guys twitter questions there are only six fast break points for the thunder they were outscored 58 to 36 in the paint the draft pick draft pick positioning uh this team as constructed is going to keep winning games like these and if some of these rumors are true or Pressy decides to go down the road of holding on to CP3 shooter, doing a sign-in trade this summer with Gallo, etc., then you're basically kicking the rebuild can further down the road, which OKC is fortunate to be in a position it can decide to do that, but it's still something we have to keep in mind, right, and still kind of have to weigh our options there. Nader played a game-low 15 minutes tonight with Ferg coming back. Dort didn't play at all, and I don't really mind that. That's not necessarily a negative, but it seems like Billy is trying to find where and how to play his wings now that Nader's taken a step up and Dort's shown he's capable. And uh, you have to keep in mind, Homie's going to be coming back here in a couple weeks as well, hopefully. Uh, and that's going to complicate things even further. So the, I have that as a potential negative as well, something to keep an eye on. But it's also a kind of a, you know, a blessing as well to have <laughs> all those options. So something to, to keep an eye on for sure to see how Billy handles that. Now, finally, speaking of blessings and positives, let's jump into some. After the first half, I thought there wouldn't be any. <laughs> I mean, it was miserable. But thankfully, there ended up being just as much probably as the negatives. So I picked my favorite ones here, and the first first one, first and foremost, most obvious one, Christopher freaking Paul. He turned the clock back in the second half tonight. I mentioned that earlier. He delivered probably one of my favorite performances from a Thunderstar in a very long time. With each three he kept hitting, like I just I kept getting flashbacks of and had the same kind of excitement I did when watching similar performances from Russ. Paul George had a couple of those last year during his MVP stretch. And yes, even... Kevin Durant. I still remember those games and uh, very fond memories for me. So regardless of how long Chris Paul's here and regardless of the strange limbo transition that the Thunder find themselves in right now, I really am thankful to have another superstar in OKC yet again. And I'm thankful to be able to witness performances like this going on, what, like 12 years, right? Going on the 12th year now. And we're just really fortunate as Thunder fans to have players of the calibers of Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, right? Like, uh, and I know you guys probably get tired of hearing that, but just watching that tonight uh, during a, I think a season that I didn't expect to get these kind of performances from this team was really cool to see and something I really enjoyed. So now moving on to some stats. CP3 ended with 30 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, triple double watch after only 2 points in the first half. Like I mentioned earlier, he had an incredible second half. He scored 19 points 
was five of six from three and four of four from the free throw line in the fourth quarter. And doing all that helped helped him surpass eighteen thousand career points tonight, which is pretty pretty spectacular. Chris was Chris was spectacular tonight, especially in that second half. It was it was a performance for the for the season for sure. I think it'll be a, a season highlight when we look back on on the season as a whole. So another positive, another one of our point guards, Dennis Schroeder. He was another huge spark off the bench tonight, and I mentioned him and Gallo, but him and Gallo together were literally literally the sole reasons the Thunder stayed in a position to make the comeback due to their, their first half scoring and their continued contributions uh, during the big run in the, the third quarter. Shooter had his ninth straight game scoring 17-plus off the bench, which is pretty incredible when you put that into perspective. Um, you don't see that often, and he truly is having like a Lou Will-esque um, season off the bench so far, which has been really fun for this team and, and really cool to see for Dennis. Finished with 18 points, 7-12 shooting, 2-3 from 3. He had 5 assists, although he did have 6 turnovers, which isn't great, obviously, and something I mentioned earlier. But um, a really another, another solid game from Shooter, and overall Shooter had another really great game that kept, just kept this team alive. I keep saying that, but he, I mean, him and Gallo really kept this team alive in the first half, and he's been doing that essentially all year. And I would like to think that his trade value is starting to rise, and people are realizing this isn't just a hot streak, that this is... Um, him improving and getting some consistency and that you can expect this from shooter that maybe even he can be a starting point guard on the right team so anyways it'll be interesting kind of see the trade demand for him uh, during this trade deadline and then also maybe if he doesn't get traded this summer so i mentioned him a second ago but another positive to nil galnari i thought he was a positive as well tonight even though it wasn't one of his better games that we've seen from him this season it was much better than the the, the, the recent stretch of games that he's had after going through an, I think, an awful cold streak, I think it was like 2 of 18 from 3, just something crazy, and I could be making that up, but it, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw that stat. He finally found a shot again in the first half, and it was much needed, like I mentioned. He also looked healthier. I think after that, I think was it like an ankle injury or something, which could have just been some rest, but uh, I think he probably was dinged up a little bit, and it looks like he's finally getting back to being healthy and, and moving around, being a little more active again. He had 17 points in the first half, ended with 22, so only scored 5 in the second half, uh, and it was on 6 of 16 shooting, which isn't incredible by any means. Uh, but 17 in the first half is huge. And he also had 6 rebounds and 4 assists. And just did some extra things that we don't always see from Gallo outside of his, his scoring. So I thought that was huge. And a lot of that, I think, came during that stretch, like I mentioned in the third quarter, when he was playing with uh, with Chris Paul and Schroeder. Shooting alone, just in general, shooting that well in the first half, it opened up the floor so much more for, for Chris Paul and the others in the second half. And I think that's something to be noted as well. And just uh, kind of a an impact that he has on this team that sometimes will go unnoticed. It's just how much he opens up the floor for this team, right? And um, so that's been really cool to see on a Thunder team where we're not usually used to seeing that. Speaking of hot shooting, another positive. Thunder shot 35-69 from the field. That's 50.7%. They shot 16 of 34 from three, which is just crazy. That's 47.1% from the three-point line. That's huge. And they were 23 of 28 from the free throw line, which is Honestly, maybe equally as big, particularly when you take into effect that the majority of those, I think, came in the second half uh, during that stretch. And I think Chris Paul was like, I said, 4-4 four four in the fourth quarter. So a lot of those, that's kind of inflated, I think, by Chris Paul's game tonight. But that was pretty huge. Um, and then my last positive here, if you guys haven't seen it, you have to go to the Uncontested Twitter account and look up my video of Steven Adams' post-game interview because it was hilarious. And I'm going to try and play a segment of it for you guys here. Uh, right now because it absolutely is a positive of tonight's game. This field, free throw shooting has been such a key for you this season. 
So I, I know that wasn't the best quality, um, but I think you guys could hear it pretty clear. As Steven said, I absolutely shit my pants <laughs> when asked about shooting those two free throws in the clutch. And then you can hear Dennis in the background making noises and laughing around with them. Anyways, that was hilarious, and I had to share it with you guys before I jump into your Twitter questions. So on that note, a perfect transition. can always count on these guys. Jacob and Kalmir both had very similar questions. Jacob asked me, when was the last time you shit your pants, Taylor? And then Kalmir asked, uh, as he always says, why did my life why did my life goodness why did my wife leave me also i'm doubling down on jake's question when's the last time you shit your pants which is pretty funny referring to the stephen adams interview and i gotta be really real honest i can't really remember which i think is a good sign probably means i was very young and i'm knock on wood would like to keep it that way uh but if you guys haven't checked it out yet be sure to go and see that stephen adams interview because it was hilarious zach attack thunder the f up that was epic thunder but don't do that again yeah that's fair zach i'm with you um, John, John Edwin, 755, Shea with only three field goal attempts. This is going to be, I read this earlier, this is a really good question. He asked, what was the main reason he wasn't more involved in the offense besides CP3 going nuclear in the fourth? I want him running the offense more. And I agree with you completely. I don't even know if I have a, a really good answer for you. It just seemed like he kind of got defeated early on when his shot wasn't falling, when he was struggling early on. He kind of let that get in his head, and from there he was just super passive because I actually tweeted that out. At times where, like during the like the end of the first quarter and beginning of the second, where he's in with guys like Baisley and Nader, where he should be the main guy initiating the offense, and when the Thunder are stagnant, it'd be really cool to see Shea just be able to take over and go and get his own shot. I'm I'm not sure that's even the player who he like the player he is, or the player he'll develop into. Maybe he needs a go-to score guy that can go and get his own bucket, kind of like a Chris Paul to play alongside of. Not to say that. She won't continue to improve and be an incredible player. Just might not be his style, but regardless, I'm exactly with you. It'd be really nice to see him be more aggressive. And I really don't have much of an answer other than I think he just kind of got defeated early on. I think that affected his play. It, it, I think it was a mental thing at, after that, and that just affected his play the rest of the game. So Stan SGA, hashtag BLSU. That's right, Boomer Sooner. Is there anything better than a Stephen Adams post-game interview? No. No, yeah, th those are just the absolute best, and they just keep getting better and better. Uh, also, have to give a shout out. I think it was, I don't know who it was. One of our guys got on the account um, during well, I think while I was doing this uh, post game podcast, and they also tweet out the mellow uh, post game interview from a couple of seasons ago and asked which one was better, this one or Steven. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Also, we've been blessed with some pretty hilarious uh, post game interviews. And then one of our loyal listeners who uh, sends us Twitter questions quite a bit and interacts with, with us on Twitter, Nate, he chimed in and said that Dennis adding commentary to other people's interviews, and I agree that's been a, a highlight of the season as well. It's really cool to see that chemistry. And Dennis is just funny and goofy. So to see him, you know, whoever had the hot hand that night getting interviewed and seeing Dennis go up and kind of teasing them about uh, how well they played and stuff has been really cool. So speaking of Nate, he had a question for us as well. He asked, building on what y'all talked about on Sunday – how do you think the Thunder should be balancing trying to win games like this first pressuring Chris, the savior, Paul, to let Shea get in some reps? And he basically he clarified and said what he's really asking is kind of how do you balance a credible playoff push compared to just a, having a fire cell and trading away all your players? And uh, I think he ran up a good point. 
obviously you don't want to just go out there and say, yeah, Gallo's available. We're definitely going to get rid of him by deadline. We don't want to hold on to him. And yeah, Chris Paul's definitely available. Um, give me all your offers. And yeah, we're going to try and get rid of Dennis Schroeder also. You know what? We can pack, package them all together too and throw in New Orleans if you want. <laughs> Presti's not going to do that. And I think you guys probably listened to our, hopefully listened to our podcast on Sunday where Mikey mentioned, um, Mikey Barra, he was on and he mentioned, you know, if, if Pressy did that, then you probably should fire him the next day. And not specifically Pressy, but just a GM in general. And he's absolutely right. So I think what they're doing now is it really is great. And I think you just, you know, you can't go and tell your players either, hey, we want you to lose games and tank because that is awful for a locker room and awful for, awful for these young players and also these vets who are trying to stay content and professional as well, such as Chris Paul and Gallo. Um, so you, I think, think Presti's doing a really good job of balancing it the way they are. You know, just playing with these guys as is, giving the impression that that they don't mind making the playoffs. That you know, and, and like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Presti with all of his draft picks right now as it is is at a uh, it's fortunate to be able to be in a spot where he can do that right, and he doesn't have his hands hands tied and has to say, yeah, we have to get rid of Gallo. So, anyways. That's kind of a long-winded answer. I'm not sure if I answered that as directly uh, as you were wanting, but I think he's doing a good job of balancing it. I think we just kind of have to continue to try and walk that that line up until um, the trade deadline and when we kind of see the potential packages other teams are putting together for guys like Gallo and maybe not Chris Paul, but Dennis Schroeder, maybe Nerlens, uh, players of that nature. So Tony Sassin, uh, Sassin, <laughs> is this the most exciting team we have watched? The grind, the determination, the camaraderie, or are we just riding the roller coaster and enjoying the wins a little bit extra due to lower expectations? I think there's a lot to be said to both of those. I think you bring up a really good point, Tony. This team is very exciting because of how much they enjoy playing together, how hard they try. It's very easy to get behind them and root for them. Um, they're scrappy. They play the right way. They play really pretty basketball, and they never give up. I mean, all these games this season have been so close, regardless of the op- opponent, against some of the best opponents, and also games like tonight, where they aren't playing their best basketball, and they find ways to turn around, and that's super exciting as fans, and that's really fun to root for, and easy to get behind these guys and really kind of cheer for them, which is why the whole tanking debate is such a debate, and why it's divided so many people, and I get that. But I think a lot is to be said as well to that second part of your question about the low expectations. And this season's more fun, I think, because we came in with little expectations and little expectations at all compared to the last couple of years where it's been, okay, this team's a championship contender. We've been so close in the past. Is this finally the year we can do it? Oh, look, we traded for Chris Paul. Oh, my gosh, we're a championship contender again. Um, let's go and get it. Oh, we got mellow now, and we didn't meet expectations. This is tough. All of that to say that I think that's a big part of it as well. We didn't have those expectations heading into this season, and they're still playing well, and they're winning close games. And so that's been really fun, and it's fun to root for as fans. And then my last one here is Rise, Batlin Rise. Is there a top five team in the West? You could see the Thunder taking seven games with the current roster. That's a really fun question, and actually a pretty tough question. So I'm looking at the top five in the West right now. You have the Lakers at 24-3 and at one. You have the Clippers right behind them. You have the Mavericks at three, which has been a big surprise. You have the Nuggets, who have kind of been struggling as of late. And then you have the Rockets at five. Oh, man, if I had to pick one of those, I think I'd still go with the Mavericks, even though Luka's been insane. I think uh, with the defenders that this team has, you can handle Luka. And from there, you make guys like Porzingis and uh, Powell and Hardaway Jr., if he's still on the team at that point. I think you let those guys try and beat you. 
I'm not sure if they'd be able to. Um, it'd be a really close and a really fun series. Um, and yeah, that'd be that'd be fun to watch. But I'm not necessarily sure. I'm I'm quite on the make the playoffs train yet. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be. I'm still pretty much uh, wanting that draft pick and wanting it to be a good draft pick this year. So I think that's all I have. I really appreciate you guys sending in those Twitter questions. Just interacting with me the entire game tonight it makes it so much more fun for me. And obviously, it was a really fun game to cover. So thank you guys again for following along for this crazy and very fun game. And I can't tell you guys enough how much we appreciate you all just interacting with us and listening to us uh, on a day-to-day basis. We are, really are appreciative of you guys and you make it really fun for us. If you like what you hear, be sure to leave us a five-star review where you listen to your podcast because it really does help us out pretty tremendously. Be sure to go check out, I mentioned this earlier, but our podcast that we dropped uh, Monday morning, late, late Sunday night. Mikey Barrow was a guest on there and the rest of our guys discuss the the Woj and Canelo uh, special that they did to kind of kick off the trade season. So be sure to check that out. And up next, the Thunder continue their home scene with the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday night. And as always, we'll have you guys covered. So until then, Thunder Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.